0: We're in Galatians chapter 5, we stopped at verse number 15 last week, this is a very hard book to stop in as we discussed 12 weeks ago, 3 months ago. This is a rhetorical speech, deliberative rhetoric, and so it's one long speech, we're breaking it up, of course, because we are slow on the uptake. This is not a normal type of conversation for us to have as it was in the first century. So here in verse number 16, we read, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That's a pretty bold statement, isn't it? For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit... with its passions and desires. That's our present reality. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Heavenly Father, thank You for Your blessed Word. Help us now to delve into it, rightly divide it, share it with one another, work together. Please, I pray, Spirit of God, help us to understand. In Christ's name, amen. Walk by the Spirit. Now, many mistakes, misunderstandings, and misapplications are made regarding this next portion of Scripture. This should not be the case with us, because we have taken our time to go through these preceding chapters. Now, because of this, uh, because of taking our time, we understand who we are, right? We understand when we are living. We know that we are not under the law. That was mentioned several times in share time. We know that we've been delivered from this evil age and that we are not subject to the weak and fleshly elementary principles of doing in order to, be, to obtain a blessing. We've been blessed, Right? Yes or no? Amen. Yes. If you have the Holy Spirit, you have all of it. But rather we've been called and adopted by the Father, delivered by Jesus Christ, and blessed with the Spirit, so we now can go forward and walk in love. That's who we are, when we are, where we are, so we can walk forward in love. Now with that understanding, let's look at that first verse there, if we might. He says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, verse 16 is the solution to verse number 15, where we left off last week. So verse 15 says, but if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. So... Well, we don't want to do that. That's those two one another's we talked about last week that we don't want to have a part in. And the solution then, of course, is to walk by the Spirit. I want to say secondly about that verse that this is a promise, not a command. So as long as a believer walks in dependence on the Spirit, he will in no way obey or give in to the lusts of the flesh. That is a powerful, powerful promise. Is it not? Very powerful promise. Very clear, very concise. Sure. So long as a believer walks in dependence on the Spirit, he will in no way obey or give in to the lust of the flesh. So I can see where my problem lies, can't I? (laughs) The Spirit is not failing. I was thinking this morning as I was showering, Jesus never fails. Is that the truth? Jesus never fails. So I wrote on the board our title, Walk by the Spirit, in shorthand, of course. And as we look at these chapters, chapter 5 and 6, going forward, there are three corresponding phrases. Walk by the Spirit being the first one. And these these describe the believer's responsibility to respond to the Spirit's leading. First, of course, is walk by the Spirit. Look down, if you would, at chapter 5. and verse number 25, you'll find the second one. In verse number 25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also... Will you read those next four words with me? Keep in "In step with the Spirit. Keep in step. Keep in step with the Spirit. I I might have pulled a Joe Biden there. I don't know that I counted the words right there, did I? (laughs) I don't know how I came up with four words. I did, though, didn't I? So let's put there. uh, uh, Let's see. In step. How about that? In step. ah, That's how I did it. In step with spirit. There's four. We worked it out there. I was going to pull that rabbit out of the hat. So that's synonymous. That's a synonymous phrase with walk by the spirit. And then look at chapter five, if you would. We'll find another one. Yeah, that's chapter 6 will work too. You have different numbers in your Bible than I do. Because I've written all over mine maybe. Chapter 6, if you would, verse number 8. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. So another way of saying it is sow to the Spirit. So these are synonymous. These three phrases all describe the believer's responsibility to responding to the Spirit. Now, if you read beyond these, you'll see that in all three cases, the result of the right response to the Spirit's activity, once we do these things, we'll find that the response is not doing what is characteristic of the old age or doing what is characteristic to the new age. Does that sound confusing? Okay, in other words, if you look at verse number uh, 16, where we started at, we said it several times already, but we'll look at it again. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That's the promise. If we will walk by the Spirit, we will not do what is characteristic of the old age. That's what happened, remember, before the death, resurrection of Christ, and, of course, the advent of the Spirit. Notice what is promised down at verse number 25. He says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. And look what the promise is. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So if we keep in step with the Spirit, the promise there is that we won't do those things. We'll not become conceited, will not provoke one another, and will not envy one another. And then if we look at chapter 6, in verse number 9, we find out that we'll not grow weary of doing good. Verse number 10, we'll do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. So the key for the believer then is that we are to walk by the Spirit. And let me say a third thing about this verse. If we read this verse in isolation, the mistake that can be made is that we will tend to think that the believer has total freedom whether to decide or not that he will walk by the Spirit. And therefore, whether or not he will decide to, to, to gratify or not the desires of the flesh. Are you with me so far? However, the word uh, for is the beginning of verse number 17. And that means it is connected. So in other words, verse 17 is Paul's reason for verse number 16. So look at verse number 17, if you would. Or let's look at verse 16. We'll tie them together. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For, very important here, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, and these are opposed to each other, and this last phrase to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. So le- stay with me here. This is vital. So left to himself, the believer will fulfill the desires of the flesh. Does that make sense? Yes or no? Yes. But the believer is not left to himself. Can I get a hallelujah? Yeah. The Spirit checks the flesh, causing conflict. And it is this conflict that will, quote, keep you from doing the things that you want to do. That is, to quote Randy Seaver, the Spirit's activity is to prevent the believer from living according to the flesh. Let's remember one of the great blessings and privileges of the new covenant is found in Ezekiel thirty six twenty seven. And let me read this to you and I want you to hear it. Ezekiel 36, 27, for those of you who like to keep notes, says this. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And be careful to obey my rules. Yes, hallelujah. Do you see now why we must be careful to give all glory and praise to God himself? We don't give glory and praise to ourselves. We give all glory and praise to God. That's why Paul said we don't compare ourselves among ourselves because to do so is not wise. If I boast of me, what can I boast of? Because all I have that is good of me was given to me. If I'm boasting about me, I truly, if I want to be honest, I have to boast about God, don't I? Paul talks about what he did as an apostle and he says, but the truth of the matter is, it is the grace of God that is working through me. And by the way, in Ezekiel, who did not understand a lot of what he was prophesying, Peter tells us, is talking about the new covenant. What does that mean? That means this was not about the old covenant. This was not an inheritance of those who were under the old covenant. That's why Paul keeps saying, you don't want to go back under the law. This was not an old covenant blessing. This is a new covenant blessing. But back to walking in the Spirit. Look at verse number 18. Now he's going to use a different... Well, let's just read it. Verse 18. Verse 18. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now he's going to do this contrast thing again. We talked about Paul using the phrase under the law. I just referred to it a moment ago. He uses the phrase under the law 13 times. I've probably said that over and over again. And he talks about how it refler- refers to Israel's relationship to the law of Moses. That is the old covenant Steve brought up. Uh, all Scripture is profitable, Uh, Nick's dead. Larry? Oh, got it right. And Larry brought it up as well. When Paul refers to the law of Moses, we've said many, many times, he's not saying throw away your Old Testament. He's referring to this Old Covenant. How many people did the Old Covenant save? None. Exactly. The old covenant did not have the power. Only the spirit regenerates. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. But the fulfillment of the law is in it, it happens by those of us who've been regenerated, right? We've we've said this over and over again. In other words, to create a community that loves God and loves one another, right? So, in Paul's thinking, this idea of not being under the law, of course, is part of old creation and the world of the flesh, the weak and uh, the, the weak elementary principles. To be led by the Spirit, he brings up here, is to be living in new creation, in power, freed from the bondage of sin. Now, this is an important statement here. All believers, even when disobedient. Any believers here ever been disobedient? Any believers in here ever not been disobedient? Oh, good. Because remember, we're waiting for the hope of righteousness, right? The only believers who say they're not disobedient are the ones who are living under the law thinking they can be, right? Right? All believers, even when disobedient, watch it now, are led by the Spirit. That's important to hold on to. Because the responsibility for leadership falls on the Spirit, not the believer. The Spirit's leadership takes place 24-7. It is walking by the Spirit that is synergistic. Synergistic just means the cooperation of two or more. You heard the phrases monergistic and synergistic. Monergistic meaning one, okay? When you were regenerated by the Holy Spirit, you did nothing. That was monergistic, okay? That means the Holy Spirit did that all by Hisself. You didn't have anything to do with it. You didn't have to open the door. You didn't have to go, okay, I'll let you. Amen? You didn't do any letting. All right? When Lazarus was raised from the dead, he didn't do any letting. He was dead. All right? Okay, when the Holy Spirit came and regenerated you and converted you, that was all his a-doing. Okay? It is, and that's what the leadership of the Holy Spirit's all about. He's the leader. So when he says, "But if you're led by you're, uh, no, he says, "But if you are led by the Spirit, that means you're a part of new creation. You are not under the law. So he's dry, drawing a line of demarcation here. You can't be both. Okay, that means you're in the new covenant. You're not in the old covenant. That's what he's saying here." Any questions about that? You got that? Our responsibility is to walk in the Spirit. That's synergistic. Okay? Look, look like there's some puzzled faces. Now, maybe that's just your face. Okay, but I want to make sure we're good to go here. All right. So let, let me give you a verse here to help you with that. Here's a good verse. Philippians 2.13. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. That speaks to synergism. The Spirit of God motivates believers. In other words, God is providing the energy for us to walk by the Spirit. Some like to say, because God works, we work. Does that make sense? Okay. Now let's add a little pastoral perspective in here. May I say that this internal conflict, the Holy Spirit's always leading. It's always leading us. Sometimes you, you are sensitive to that, sometimes you're not, but He's always working. Okay. It's our job to walk in the Spirit. So there's an internal conflict. This internal conflict is the source of the overwhelming majority of our problems as believers. The fact that we don't always walk by the Spirit. Okay? To include our marital problems. That's why we take marital seminars and read books on marriage and do all of this, and our marriages stay the same in the same same places. Because the real issue is walking in the Spirit. You walk in the Spirit, both if a husband and wife walk in the Spirit, that will solve every marital problem you ever had. This includes our church relationship problems. This includes our financial problems. Now, I, I said the overwhelming. We all get hit with things that God allows us to get hit with. This includes substance abuse issues. The overwhelming number of issues that are dealt with pastorally, with church members, I've been doing. I've been blessed to have the opportunity to to deal with pastoral issues for over three decades. The overwhelming are are, are these, Is this right here? As believers, we have the spiritual energy to walk in love. But imagine the collateral damage we create when we fight against that, when we swim upstream. This is where the frustration in our lives comes from. Think of Jonah trying to escape Tarshish from the presence of the Lord in Jonah chapter 1. Think of his anger with God after God spares Nineveh in chapter 4. Paul established the foolishness of this battle earlier in the book of Galatians in chapter 3, verse 3. Listen, let me read it to you. Are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? So, we're being led by the Spirit 24-7. That's monergism. The Spirit is working. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't slumber. He's constantly working wanting you to love your neighbor and your enemies. Now, it's our responsibility to walk by the Spirit. That's where the synergism comes in. He empowers us to do it. He leads us to do it. We have a tendency to get egotistical proud and want our own way sometimes. Right? But we're growing. Okay? Now, in Galatians 5, we're given at least four reasons by walk, why walking in the Spirit is the norm for the believer. In other words, why believers do walk in the Spirit in their lives, generally speaking. We all fail, but why you don't find believers who never walk in the Spirit. And the first one is found already in our text. And so let's go ahead and start listing them. Why do believers... uh, Why is it... Let's see how I wrote it here. Why is it normal for believers to walk in the Spirit? The first one we find is because they are led by the Spirit. Because they are led by the Spirit. We are led by the Spirit. Now, I can't imagine a greater influence in your life and in mine than the Spirit of God. You gave the illustration of the smoke coming across, relating that to the influence of the world around us. And that's a huge influence. But there is no greater influence than the very presence of God with you and I. Now imagine that presence, because God... If you think about the tabernacle or the temple in the Old Testament, God is is omnipresent, right? Right? But when he talks about so when we talk about the the God God making His presence in the tabernacle of the temple, that's sort of like His office, right? He says I'm going to set up my office there. Well, in the New Testament he tells us that His office uh, in the New Covenant uh, he says in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter six that it is with the individual, right? So He's with you there. Also, it is with our collected body of believers. I think also in I think it's 1 Timothy, it might be 2nd. He says the same thing, Ephesians chapter 2. So imagine the influence here, okay? So we have the presence of God Himself, He sets up office with you and I. How can it not be normal for His people with this amazing, gracious, loving, sacrificial presence of God with you? How can it not be normal for us to walk in the Spirit most of the time? What greater influence would we have in our lives? What overcome? We love Him because He first loved us. Greater love hath no man but that He lay down His life for His friend. Now, what does it mean to walk by the Spirit? I, I wrote down these here, and you're not going to be able to write all these down. But I, I just wrote these down because uh, they're here in this text, and there's some that just jump out all over you. We'll get into greater detail. Leaf asked me, but we'll get into greater detail on the Lord willing the specifics of the the, the fruit here next week, if uh, if I get a break from delivering presents, but. Uh, and put it building presence and keeping up with the elves and all of that. And uh, Mrs. Claus, she just, man, she works me to death. To walk in the Spirit is to stand fast in our freedom from the old world. That is the elementary principles. You'll see that in Galatians 5 1. To walk in the Spirit is to participate with the sanctifying process of the Spirit. That's uh, Romans 6 12 through 13, Romans 12, 1 and 2. To walk in the Spirit means to fulfill the law of Christ, Galatians 6, 1. To walk in the Spirit is to put on Christ and putting to death our sinful vices. I'll blurt out some text for you if you're interested. Romans 13:4, 4. Ephesians 4:24, 4, Colossians 3:10. To walk in the spirit, I love this one. to walk in the spirit means to acknowledge that we are blessed, I think you brought this one up, Dwayne, means to acknowledge that we are blessed in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, even as He chose us in him before the foundation of the world. that's Ephesians one, three and four. How about some negatives? It, to walk in the Spirit does not mean something esoteric or mystical, like tuning, like trying to tune a radio station, but rather to look to Christ, as Paul says in Galatians two twenty. To walk in the Spirit does not mean to seek the leading of the Spirit, because the Spirit is always leading. It is to walk in love and selflessness, regardless of whether you sense His leading or not. In other words, it is to trust His Word above your own perception and feelings. Galatians 5, 13 and 14. To walk in the Spirit is about righteousness, Fearlessness and assurance in the face of an evil world. Turn to Romans chapter 8 and I'll show you this one. The two places you find being led of the Spirit are here in Galatians 5 and Romans chapter 8. You find the phrases. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit... You put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. There's your righteousness. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. No exceptions. Verse number 15 For you did not receive the spirit of slavery. That's the old covenant. Look, as great as Moses was when he brought the commandments down from the mountain, and Moses was a great man. He brought those commandments down. It did not save a single soul. Isn't that amazing? As great as... And and by the way, Moses was a regenerate man. No question about that. Okay, I didn't mean it any other way. As great as David was, and, and David was a regenerate man, but He enforced the law on the kingdom of, of Israel. But as soon as a wicked king took over, the leadership took over, and we find that Israel itself was not regenerate. You go to Deuteronomy chapter 7, 7, God says, you were the smallest of the nations. But when you read the Old Testament, you don't really get that sense, do you? And then you find God says there's only a small remnant of Israel that's regenerate. So you find that truthfully when you take a step back, you find that there is a small nation that we're reading about and a very small amount of them were actually regenerate because the old covenant could not regenerate. That's why Paul tells us that God used them as an example for us. Type and anti-type. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery, that's the old covenant, to fall back into fear, which is how the old covenant was administered. But there's your fearlessness. We don't fall back into fear. We don't live in fear. But you receive the spirit of adoption as sons of by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Look at verse 16. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So the function of the Holy Spirit here is to give us assurance. You're a child of the King. That's what it means to walk by the Spirit, knowing you're a child of God. Brother Gerald?
1: Speaking of the idea of the the norm for the believer... Yes, sir. Uh, I think of the, the, the being led by the Spirit and walking in the Spirit, and how much that is the norm. Uh, I tie it to spiritual maturity. You may not think this is right, but, but I do. But I think this is the way I uh, put this into practice and, and teach it to others. I think Paul uses the word the idea of walking intentionally. So,
0: yes, not running. Not running, yes.
1: A baby begins to walk and stumbles more, but the older he gets and the more mature he gets, the more the norm is for that child to walk in step with his, you know, with his parents. And so, new believer, you know, been a Christian for three days, the norm for that person is probably not going to be these the sprud that you're going to see. The norm for that person is that they're still going to be uh, stumbling in and, and they're walking in step with the Spirit. But as they mature it becomes more and more.
0: Indoor. Week 13, which is next week, we'll talk about fruit, growth, and time. So absolutely. Yeah, there is a there is a maturation process. Totally agreed. Does that jive with what we're saying? Yes, sir.
1: I just wanted to clarify that because it kind of sounds like you know, new believer, day one, the norm for them is to be I the Spirit's all there desiring to produce these things, but as far as them walking in step, they have growth that needs to take place. So when I see somebody that's walking with that fruit as the norm, I'm probably looking at somebody that's been walking close to the Lord. And the relationship with the Lord.
0: Absolutely. All righty, verse number 19. 19 through 21. Now the works of the flesh are evident... Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions. By the way, the word divisions there is is heresies. Isn't that interesting? We often think of heresy as bad doctrine. If you look at that up, you'll see that division is heresy. Envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you. Remember we talked about warnings in the, Old Te- uh, in the New Testament, warnings? There are things we must heed, but the elect will heed. As I warned you before, that those who do, now look at that word do. Those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now we talked before uh, in chapter, I believe it was chapter 4, yes, chapter 4. How that the word do in chapter 4 is the word poieo, meaning to do or keep. Remember that, talking about do the law? This is not that word. This is the word prasso. And it's the word practice, or to perform repeatedly or habitually. So what Paul is referring to here is not someone who messes up. That probably ties into what Gerald was saying also. It's, it means to those, who, so those who practice such things, those who habitually do those things, not those who mess up and get jealous, those who mess up and get angry, those who mess up and, 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 and sin. But it is clear here that in Paul's theology, it is not possible for a believer to practice the works of the flesh because the, those who do so will not inherit the kingdom of God. So this leads us to a second reason. It is the norm for the Christian to walk by the Spirit because he does not live in the flesh. All right. Verse number 22 and 23, the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So Paul's been going after the Old Covenant, going after the Old Covenant. This is not us. This is not what we are. So Paul's laying it out again. Hey, look, those of us who, who are uh, um, led by the Spirit, walk by the Spirit, you don't have to worry about the law, Right? So this leads us to our third reason. It's the norm for the Christian to walk by the Spirit because the love of God is in his heart. So no matter how, yes, we mess up and we get better. Hey, thank God I'm not doing what I did. Uh, I'm not what I want to be, but thank God I'm not what I was. That kind, remember, anybody remember that song? Um, so thank God for that. But the moment I did get saved, look at me if you would, the moment I did get saved, the love of God did move in my heart. Romans chapter, is it five five I think it is. Romans 5.5, five, the love of God was shed abroad in my heart. Love of God in my heart. Look at that. How about that, huh? Told you I can draw. Now we've talked about Paul's themes of being found in the book of John. One of the great stories is uh, uh, John chapter 15, which speaks about the inevitability of all be- believers bearing fruit because of their connection to the vine. Uh, John John, uh, John chapter 15, verse 5, I mean. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and this is a reality, okay? Quite often we talk about, people talk about abiding in Christ as though it's something they need to do. And there's an application for that. But that's not what he's talking about in John 15 in those early verses. Whoever abides in me and I abide in him... He it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. In the next verse, he points out the disastrous results of those like Judas that don't abide in him and don't bear fruit. Let me read it. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. How many are familiar with the parable of the tenants? Remember the parable of the tenants? That's right. Jesus says a parable to them and he's digging at the Pharisees and it's almost like your story this morning, uh, Steve, where you were talking to the group and, uh, about meeting and so forth and you set them up and, and Jesus sets them up. He says, let me tell you a story about a guy who had a vineyard and he, he got some folks, he let them stay there and they could live there and were his tenants and, and all they had to do was bring in the fruit. And, uh, and uh, so he sent some servants during harvest time, and they, they, they were supposed to bring in the fruit, and the servants came, and they said, you know what, we're going to keep this to ourselves. And so he said, they, they beat a servant, and they killed a star- servant, and they stoned another servant. And he said, this isn't working out real well. So he sent some more. They did the same thing to them. And he said, I know what I'll do. I'll send my son. And they said, here comes the son of the, of the owner. I'll, we just kill him. And he said, Jesus said to the Pharisees, wonder what, wonder what the, do what the Lord of that uh, that uh, vineyard will do to those people and the uh, the uh, Pharisees. Well said that that owner he'll just he'll he'll destroy them. And Jesus said, and that's exactly what's going to happen here as well. And he'll take the kingdom from you and give it to a people who are bearing fruit. All right. And so Jesus is pointing out that the kingdom is given to fruit-bearing people. Constantly, over and over again, you can see how the Lord talks about that his people are fruit-bearing people. And I'm just trying to confirm to you that it is a norm of uh, for God's people to walk by the Spirit and bear fruit. Romans chapter 7, verse number 4. Likewise, my brothers. You have also died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead. I love that verse. You have died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another. We don't belong to Moses. We belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. If you doubt it, just read Hebrews chapter 2. To Him who has been raised from the dead in order that you may bear fruit unto God. You could read the parable of the sower. You could read the parable of the wheat and the tares. And over and over you can read those stories. Look at Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 24 now, if you would please. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Now think about what he's saying there. He already said what we read earlier, the fruit of the Spirit is these things listed, and those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So here we have yet a fourth reason that it is the norm for Christians to walk by the Spirit. What would that fourth reason be? You see it there in the verse? Verse 24. Yes. Crucified the flesh with passions. Is that what it says? Passions and desires, right? We'll leave that off. You can figure that part out. So it seems pretty obvious to me that there are, good, there are not good reasons for me not to be maturing in my sanctification. Amen. Now, this is not a pointy finger type of a lesson. It's a this kind of a lesson. It's a kind of a lesson where I need to say, okay, if, if, if I'm not mature, if I'm not growing, if I'm not seeing fruit in my life, I need to, I need to, I need to check myself. Paul said to examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. You know, the evangelicalism is constantly making excuses, excuses for us believers to be worldly, to, 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 to not be living as Christians, to not be living out the Christian life, to not be working out our salvation. And Paul is showing us there is no middle ground in the Christian life. Either I am a Christian being led by the Spirit Is you is or is you ain't my baby is what it's saying. (laughs) I have been perusing uh, J.C. Ryle's book on the Holy Spirit. And I noticed there's a couple other reasons we could add to it. Why it's a norm for a Christian to walk by the Spirit. He points out Romans chapter 1 and verse number 4. That the Holy Spirit is is the Spirit of holiness. And if the Holy Spirit is in you, He has... Made you holy. He goes into great detail here. He says, when He dwells in people, He makes them follow after love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, faith, temperance, or patience, temperance, temperance. He makes it natural to them through their new divine nature to count all God's precepts concerning all things to be right and to hate every false way. Sin is no more pleasant to them. It is their sorrow when tempted by it, it is their shame when they are overtaken by it. Obviously, we are overtaken by it sometimes. Their desire is to be free from it altogether. He gives us a sixth reason. He says, All who have the Spirit are spiritually minded. Let me read what he writes here. To use the words of the Apostle Paul, those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Romans 8.5 The general tone, tenor, and bias of their minds is in favor of spiritual things. They do not serve God by fits and starts, but habitually. They may be drawn aside by strong temptations, but the general tendency of their lives, ways, tastes, thoughts, and habits is spiritual. Amen or O oh me? Yeah, okay. Let me give you a seventh one that I just couldn't let go and I didn't get this from him, but I'm sure you thought of it. And that is Hebrews twelve six. The Lord disciplines the one He loves and chastises every son he receives verse 11 for the moment all discipline all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant but later it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it ladies and gentlemen there is no off ramp with the holy spirit of god there is no dmz what's a dmz there is no demilitarized zone right There's no world over here and kingdom of God over here and then an area we can get in between and just take a break, is there? There's no discharge from this army. (laughs) Amen? No neutral ground. You can't put the Spirit on hold or pause. So the Lord disciplines. Uh, We'll just put disciplines. Has the Lord ever disciplined you? Who among us has the Lord not disciplined? Oh, good, because I'd be worried about you if he hadn't. (laughs) Right, he has to discipline all of us, unless you're the Lord Jesus, right? And he was disciplined for you. Well, it wasn't discipline in that respect; it was the wrath of God. All right, look at verse 25. Verse 25. If we live by the Spirit, okay. Let's see. Let's let's, okay. Look up here, class. Let's see if we got this figured out or not. If we live by the Spirit. Is that being led by the Spirit or walking by the Spirit? Led by yes. the Spirit. You said yes. Yes, sir. That's led by the Spirit. Okay, that's living by the Spirit is led by the Spirit. Let us also keep in step while this, by the uh, keep in step with the Spirit. So, is that led by the Spirit or walking by the Spirit? You see that? You see how he's coming back to it again? Who's in charge of? The leader, who's in charge, let's see, being led by the Spirit. Who's in charge of the leadership of the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Do we have to worry about that, yes or no? no. Do, do, do we have to any, any part in that, yes or no? no. Everybody got that?
1: So is it, is it one way to think that you're either being dragged along?
0: Or... No, we're not being dragged along. That's a good point, though. Right. I mean, That's a good point. Because an antinomian... An antinomian would say we are being dragged along, right? And a, uh, uh, what did I used to be? Pelagian would go the other direction. I'm really making it confusion, right? Because a Pelagian would say God helps those who help themselves. Right? We're doing the leading, yeah. Boy, it's really getting confusing now. Okay, so there we go. So we are passive here. Led by the Spirit. Does everybody understand that? Yeah. Now, why is that important to understand? Because you're going to read your Bible. Say it with me. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to read my Bible. Okay, how many just lied? Okay. Led by the Spirit, you're passive. Because the leadership, the responsibility of that is the Holy Spirit. He doesn't need your help. He just needs you to walk by the Spirit. Okay? How do I do that? Well, the Bible's not going to leave you ignorant. All right? Here we have an admonition. Believers, live out what you're living. Okay, this is, this is going to go to uh, Gerald's point, I think, here. Uh, although believers don't automatically walk in the Spirit, we ultimately walk in the Spirit. Okay? So, we're out of room. We... Uh, We're led by the Spirit, and we walk in the Spirit, and hopefully we'll get to next week, and then we bear fruit of the Spirit. In Paul's mind, it's not possible for the Christian to go on fulfilling the desires of the flesh because those who do so are not an heir of God's kingdom. He cannot go on sowing to the flesh because those who do so reap rottenness. But how can Paul be so certain that saints will persevere in faith and holiness? It is because they are under new management. Who's our new management? Spirit of God. It is because they are under new management. They are not under the law which was weak through the flesh, Romans 8.3. They are under the powerful, controlling influence of the Holy Spirit. We live in the fullness of time in which God has sent forth His Son to accomplish what the law could never, ever accomplish. Questions?
1: So would it be fair to say, lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink, right? So the Holy Spirit is leading us to the water. It's up to us to drink it. But He does salt the oats so that we want to drink it when we get there. But it's still us that's going to drink Mm it. So
0: that's led by the Spirit versus walked by the Spirit. Would that be fair? That is somewhat fair because we believe in human responsibility and divine sovereignty. So there is going to be so much salt <laughs> That there never will be. Can you, can, would you agree with the statement under the standing of the scriptures as you do, sir? That there never is a, I'm not, we're not talking about someone who died on the thief on the cross, but a living Christian that does not walk in the Spirit, walk by the Spirit? Ultimately, no. Ultimately, no. I would agree with that.
1: So unless he just gets, dies right
0: away. Unless he dies right away. Every Christian ultimately walks by the Spirit. Because God never fails. Because that is the plan. Ephesians chapter 1 verse number 4, He predestined that we walk... What? Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4? Say again? Holy and blameless. We were predestined to walk holy and blameless. So, we cannot discount the predestined will of God, the decretive will of God. But, again, we have a responsibility.
1: So, so the brother in Corinthians that was with his father's wife, though, that was predestined, he was a believer, he made a, he made a decision at some point to get really out of step with the Holy Spirit and follow into. It the list of things there the single sins that kind of stuff that was listed in the section of the that we read today but that wasn't there was no point where god was like i want this to happen this is
0: right i mean that was- god allowed it to happen for whatever his purposes were but as a believer like all of us he failed miserably yeah god does not well, we can't, we can't argue the decrees of God because all things are sovereign, but uh, God did allow it to happen, yes, if that's what you're asking me. Or are you asking me the bigger picture of what we just talked about of him being predestined to... So we do church discipline and that's what happened with him, right? So we understand that ultimately he... Well, we don't know the whole definition of his life or the whole history of his life, But we do know that as a believer, if he's disciplined and he is a believer, he will repent. And if he doesn't repent, we treat him as a non-believer because we understand this. Did I I answer your question?
2: There's no specific indication. You should not permit this. You take care of it. And if you don't, when I come, I will.
0: Right. The, the, the issue is the church is... The, the real issue is the church, not the man. Yes,
2: not addressing the man. Not the fact that he says he's sexually immoral. That's,
0: that's, Agreed. That's, right, am, that's, I, that's
2: am I? That says he's a believer and that says he's not a believer.
0: Well, he's in the church, so he's expected to be a believer. Is that what you're saying or not? No. I'm Absolutely. So the church has him in the body, so they need to treat him, they need to discipline him, correct? In Second Corinthians, something ha- Is that what you're going to say, Steve?
2: No, I'm going to respond to what he said there. In that same passage, it says, turning over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the soul may be saved in the Lord Jesus. So sometimes we will be turned over to Satan if we're sinning. Uh-huh. That doesn't mean we're not oblique, It just means he fell back and kept on falling, he couldn't Nobody helped him get back or something. Yeah, I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm just saying, as far as that man goes, they were given instruction. Do these
0: things. Right. So they were supposed to discipline him. Yes. Is that what we're saying? Yes or no? It seems that yes, Right. Well, so we don't know. He obviously he was okay. So the the point is, publicly, they needed to treat him like you would treat a someone who professed to be a believer. In other words, he's in the church. That's all I'm getting at. Is that, are, we, are we understanding that? We can't know if he's a believer. Right, Jay? Is that what you're saying? We can't know for sure he's a believer.
2: Based on the passage we're given, the answer that is no.
0: We cannot know. Right. In 2 Corinthians, it could be that guy, right? Because there's someone who's repented in 2 Corinthians. That's all we're saying. So if it's the guy, he repents. And okay, he walks in the Spirit. It may not be that guy. But that's not what we're talking about, right? I'd
1: say if the case were that he didn't, then you would absolutely know that he wasn't walking up.
0: There you go. If he doesn't repent, then he's not.
1: And I'm thinking of what John, he says, if anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give him life. To those who commit sins that do not lead to death, there is... Sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. I don't know what that sin is, but it does sound like if you're a believer and you continue in unrighteousness, God will just take you home early, is what it sounds like.
0: Okay, but I think our main point here, if I can, because I want to make sure we're all on the same sheet of music, and if we're not, then we can axe or clarify. The point we're trying to make is that a believer, because of the in dwelling spirit has to respond to their sin spiritually-minded. Correct? Your point, Jay, is we don't know if the guy's a believer. Correct? Your point, Steve, is that um, if he's turned over um, to Satan... He'll respond uh, by severe spiritual um, suffering. And so we don't know the outcome, therefore we don't know the answer.
2: He said, when he turned him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved.
0: Right. So, if, and but but that's what we know. So whatever happened out afterwards. So, but that kind of goes beyond what we're what we're all talking about. What we're talking about is that, according to Paul, that, the, that we walk by the Spirit if we're believers. Do we fail miserably? Yes. Do we all walk perfectly? No. no. That's, that's the main point we're trying to get at. Yes or no, or am I missing something? I feel like I'm missing something that someone's asking. Do you, are you gathering something that I'm missing?
1: It also reminds me, in the next chapter... Going to say the same thing. You are
2: spiritual. That is, you are have the Holy Spirit walking in you.
0: Okay, so those of us that are walking by the Spirit, and we see others not walking by the Spirit, we need to restore those who are not walking by the Spirit. And if they are not led by the Spirit, we will not be able to restore them. Right, Steve?
2: Are you saying that all believers walk in the Spirit all the time?
0: No, sir. All believers are led by the Spirit all the time. My, so my mama was my mama all the time.
2: How does this, how does a believer get back in walking in the spirit? Uh, discipline. I think I think we need to look at probably First John chapter one, from verse three and following.
0: Well, that that's great. Yeah, we're going to do First John next, I think. Yeah, sometime in uh... sometime in twenty twenty three. Alan.
1: Is there a proper analogy with being led by the Spirit to Jesus being led by the Spirit into the desert? And Israel was led by the Spirit into
0: the desert. In other words, where we're led by the Spirit is not to be tempted by God, but tried by God. And if our response is we follow Israel, we follow Jesus... Okay, very good. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Israel was led by the Spirit... And their their unregenerate status proved that they miserably did not walk by the Spirit. So very good. Excellent. Yeah, we can see how they handled themselves in the wilderness. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And He, of course, walked by the Spirit in the wilderness and defeated Satan. This message was produced by the New Testament Reformation Fellowship, reforming today's church with New Testament church practices. Permission is hereby granted for you to reproduce this message. You can find us on the web at www.ntrf.org. May God bless you as you seek to follow Him in complete obedience to His Word. May your faith in the Lord Jesus be strengthened and your daily walk with Him deepened.